Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears. A proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at a time. This episode is brought to you by Park Power, a provider of electricity and natural gas in Alberta that offers low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. Park Power is a small local business, and like many of you, it's been closely monitoring the news on COVID-19 and the world's rapidly changing circumstances. While many of their team are currently working remotely, the way Park Power does business has not changed, and their commitment to exceptional customer service will remain. Find out more about Park Power's response to the COVID-19 outbreak at parkpower.ca. So another week, another chapter. <laughs> another seven days of social distancing. And uh, just general bedlam as 2020 continues to 2020. Uh-huh. It's something that we're just kind of rolling with. Yeah. Well, we kind of have to, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're okay. Yeah. yeah. In, our, in our little bubble anyway, we're okay. A bubble in so many ways. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I acknowledge the bubble. But uh, we continue to read through our novel. Hopefully you are continuing to read with us. If you're not and you're playing catch up, I mean, we get it. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> Just because we're putting out the episodes on time, things might be a little overwhelming for you at this time. And you might have taken a break and you might just be catching up a little later. And if you're joining us once again after a little break. Welcome back. Welcome back. We we're, still love you. Yeah, we're happy to have you here. That's the beauty of a podcast, especially a podcast like this, is you can listen at your leisure. Yeah. We're not offended. Yeah. No, not at all. We don't know that you're not listening. We've talked about this before. Uh, a friend of ours also listens to our podcast. Does it uh, binge style, sort yeah. of? He'll audiobook a chapter and then an episode of our podcast. And then he'll listen to a chapter, and then he'll listen to our podcast. But yeah. he does it a bunch of them in a row, because yeah, yeah. he usually does it on road trips. So he's generally usually a book behind us. Yeah, which is fine. Yeah. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me to hear if of someone who reads the whole book and then listens to all of the podcasts. Probably. I don't know I don't know that anyone's done that. No one's reached out to say they've done that, but it wouldn't surprise me if, you've if done someone that, did. If you've done that, reach out and let us know yeah, if you've done that. Yeah, let us know. That. I'm just curious. It doesn't mean anything. I'm just curious. Sure. Yeah. There's no, there's no metrics to it. There's no, I'm not trying to algorithm anything. It's just curiosity. Entirely curiosity. I don't know how to algorithm anything if I wanted to. No, Nita's not that computer savvy. I'm I'm not. I know how to use one. Yeah, I'm not saying you're a Luddite. Because <laughs> I'm not. Just, uh, that's not, exa- gaming the algorithm. Yeah, not, not my strong suit. <laughs> no. Also, we're, like, this isn't a YouTube show. It's not like we're trying to rise to the top of oh, YouTube hits. Oh, goodness, no. No. Uh, having said all that, perhaps now is a good time to kind of dive into a brief recap of chapter 13 of yeah, our novel. maybe we should talk about the book yeah. on this book podcast of ours. Beth and Dom skip right over a potentially important conversation with Flora and Lewis Braid and go straight to the police. Still where, disappointed about that. Where they talk to PC Paul Pollard, definitely a real name. <laughs> totally not a made-up person. Explain to him everything that has happened so far. He assures himself that Beth is not a crazy person and then uh, says that he will look into it, but Beth is not so sure that will be the case. 
And then on the way home, she and Dom have a little talk about whether or not little baby Georgina is actually still with us or not. Right. Beth's theory being that perhaps this was all an elaborate ruse by the braids, though she doesn't exactly have a good explanation as to why. Yeah. And the chapter ends with her receiving a fateful phone call from Lou Monday, also definitely a real name. <laughs> totally a real person. And uh, that segues us into chapter 14 of Perfect Little Children by Sophie Hanna. So we begin with Beth dropping Dom off at the train station so that she can take the car to her now scheduled meeting with Lou Monday yes. after the school day is done. And her excuse to him is that she wants she wants to be able to uh, make a getaway. Yeah, that's it, not the right. That's not right. That's not right. She doesn't want to be stranded. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're kind of right in the first place. Um, she's not certain the conversation will go well. And if it does go poorly, she wants to be able to not have to bum a ride from someone who she just had an awkward falling out yes. with. At least that's the excuse she gives Dom. Yeah. We all know it's because she wants to go sit in the car parking lot and stalk children again. Which is exactly what she wants to do. I take that back. She wants to stalk a child. Yes. That after is, one specifically. That is more accurate. As she's pulling into the parking lot, she actually briefly worries about Dom's car being recognized if the caters do show up to pick up Thomas, because Dom's car was what was parked in their yeah. driveway. Legitimate concern. Yeah, but decides, you know, number one, it's too late now. It's true. I'm here. Number two, she's got a legitimate excuse to be there. She's meeting with Lou Monday. She... Thinks to herself, she has an illegitimate meeting with yeah. Lou Monday. She thinks to herself, I have been invited as though she is a vampire. Right? <laughs> uh, it's like she doesn't see the fact that the meeting is a little sketchy. Uh, she also thinks about them trying to stop her from seeing the impossible Thomas again and kind of trips herself over that thought. Yeah. Who's them? Yeah. Who's, who's this mystical they that she's afraid of? Like there's suddenly there's this, like we've already said... Four people does not an evil cabal make. <laughs> not really. But, like, already in her mind, there's this kind of conspiracy group that's acting against her that's starting to form. And she's, even if she's not specifically, like, trying to imagine that there's this shadowy force against her, she can't help but think that at this juncture. Right. Because there's certainly people who are actively trying to keep information from her. Yes. And we know of at least, in theory, four of them. Yes. She also wonders if Flora would have had time to fly back from Florida to pick up Thomas, which is just like... It's getting a little conspiracy theory. Well, and also, I mean, that's head. that's getting... It's like, a little ridiculous. Like, she's starting to map out timetables. It's... Uh, yeah, it's a little it's a little much. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not plausible, because she's considered that it's plausible. I'm saying it, it's a bit much. Uh, she does decide to kill a little time with a few follow-up texts, one of which is that uh, Ben can go see a show... And she also confirms she won't need to cancel a client for the second time. Both of them are kind of interesting texts. One shows how she's been neglecting her work for the last week, which she has been. Which she has been. Despite her assurances, been. despite her assurances to Don that she hasn't. Mm -hmm. The second one with Ben kind of intrigued me. What, that he's allowed to go to a show and yes, she'd be willing to buy him a ticket? For $30. 30 pounds. The show is implied to be a play. Oh, I had the impression it was like a concert. I have checked the texts. And it says a production of Len and Ezra. Yeah, so that certainly strongly implies to me that he is going to see a stage play. Yeah, you were right. I misread that. It, to me, it, Len and Ezra sounded like a 
like a band, band like a band name. Well, I but was... I missed over the the production. Yeah, which is not what you say about a band. And I was curious about that because I've never heard of a play called Len and Ezra. Have you ever heard of a play called Len and Ezra? Nope. Yeah, and we we both run in theater circles. Yes. So, but not British theater circles. It's true. I could not find a play called Len and Ezra because I did Google search that. Maybe it's an indie production. Possibly. But you want to know what it's probably an indie production of? What? It's probably an indie production of a 1937 novel by Lewis Jones called We Live. Oh, okay. Uh, It's about class struggle in a South Wales mining town. Huh. Uh, In it, there are characters named... Len Roberts and Ezra Jones. And And they are two of the main characters in the show. Uh, It is a story about the changing times. Ah. (laughs) And also about, you know, exploitation and political hope in dire circumstances. So uh, timely in so many ways. Oh, goodness. Does this book know that we're reading it? In 2020? Right. It might. Here's the thing that intrigued me about that. If this is the play that Ben is interested in seeing, that speaks to him being a pretty forward-thinking kid. Absolutely. And pretty woke. And Beth is, of course, completely (laughs) ignorant of it. No, but she's completely ignorant of it. She doesn't know what this play's about. She hasn't expressed any knowledge that Ben is, like, fairly left-leaning, let's be fair. Yeah. That would be the case if he's interested, if he's actively interested, a teenaged boy, in going to see a theater production about... A class struggle? About a class struggle involving, like, workers' rights. Uh, by an author who was very left-leaning and yeah. kind of Marxist, let's be fair, huh. um, <laughs> in, a, in a time when that was on vogue. The fact that Beth has never mentioned that strikes me as kind of telling of how little she really knows about her kids. Well, to be fair, you're reading an awful lot into Boy Wants to Go to Play. Maybe, but I mean, it's colored by the stuff that we already know about her. And that's the fact that she is kind of in her own little world. Oh, yeah. And she well, has especially been, right now. And she has been all novel. And, like, she's frequently surprised by stuff that Xana does and stuff that Ben does because she's kind of dissociated from them. Yeah. A little bit. You're right. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. But the fact that this is the first, that she blows this off and has no idea what he's talking about, and this is the first time anything like this about Ben's characterization has come up, strikes me as a little telling. Hmm. And the fact that she doesn't think it's important also. Less important than her snooping on what's going on with the caters, certainly. I'm just saying, you're filling in an awful lot of blanks based on the title of a production. This is this is why I look. This is why I go searching for stuff in our chapters so that we can do deep dives into stuff like this. And that is what we're doing here. We're doing a little literary deep dive into the production that he may or may not be seeing. It's true. And let's be fair. I Google searched for Len and Ezra, and the only hit that I could find of something that has a character named Len and a character named Ezra in it was We Live. So that can't be a coincidence. No, that's fair. not saying your research is valid. I'm just saying the text in the novel doesn't back up all of that. It falls into the characterization I have of Beth so far. I'm not saying that she's a neglectful mother, but I'm saying that she's a bit dissociated from her kids. She's not really plugged into what they're doing. No. Or what they're into. There you're absolutely right. Yes. So around 3.30, the Silver Range Rover pulls into the lot, and the woman who claimed to be Jeanette Cater gets out. Uh, We will, of course, learn in this chapter that that is not Jeanette Cater. Uh, Beth does snap a little photo of her, uh, the idea being that she can show Lou Monday the picture and be like, is this the woman who you think is Jeanette Cater? This was this was interesting to me, actually, because she mentions a little bit earlier while she's waiting that it's possible that she'll see Flora again. And as soon as I read that line in the back of my head, I went, I wonder if she'll have the presence of mind to grab her camera or grab her phone and take a picture. 
And lo and behold. She did. She did. Yeah. Uh, when the bell rings, she also does indeed see the impossible Thomas coming out of the school. Who she does not take a picture of. No. Not that she should, because that's creepy. Yeah. But to back up her case, it would have helped. Well, she could have shown a picture to Dom, at least, and been like, see? 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 Yeah. <laughs> I'm not crazy. See? Uh, she also, from the distance, and because he's on the move, she can't tell if he's identical to the OG Thomas Braid. But, like, he's, it's close enough. Well, and she the thing... recognizes him, right? Well, yeah. It, it's it's a close enough resemblance. Right. Yeah. And she definitely does recognize that he's wearing the same clothes as 12 years ago, because he's literally wearing a pair of 12-year-old shoes that are falling apart. Okay. Here's where things kind of don't sit right with me. She last saw him 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. Does she really remember his shoes with that much detail? Well, they were the shoes that he was wearing on the day of the big friends off. Yeah. So I can imagine that details from that particular day would stick out to her because she's so fixated on that day. But the wear of his shoes? I think that the reason the wear of his shoes jumped out at her is because they are more worn than they were 12 years ago. He's wearing literally the same shoes that are 12 years old. That's that's why I think it jumped out at her. The fact that the sole is falling off the shoe. And he's still wearing them. And he's still wearing them. Hmm. And okay. this is, and again, this is a family that's clearly wealthy. We know that the Braids have money. The Caters, or whoever they are, live in a very nice house on Whittier Lane. Mm-hmm. So they should have enough money to they sh- they correctly should... shoe their child. Indeed. He should be well shod, but he is not. So I think that's why it jumped out at her. Mm-hmm. Thomas walks over to Jeanette, who's uh, the quote-unquote Jeanette, who's, again. Who is not, in fact, uh, Yanina, we find out, is yes. her name later on. Uh, the woman who claimed to be Jeanette the last time yes. <laughs> that Beth was here. <laughs> if you're just tuning in, why? Uh, also, it's very confusing. <laughs> yeah. Yanina's chatting with some other women, and Beth immediately gets the sense these aren't parents. These are like babysitters and au pairs. Th- this is the quote-unquote help who are talking shop separate from the parents. Yeah. And uh, that's certainly the impression she gets also from the way Thomas and Yanina react to one another yeah he just sort of approaches her and stands there and she then, doesn't even notice right away yeah and then she just kind of like waves him over to the range rover and drives him home and beth kind of knee-jerk kicks herself a bit for not doing something and then also immediately realizes what what would i have done would i have snatched him up and thrown him in the car and driven away at high speed that is kidnapping that is literally kidnapping <laughs> and very illegal and super creepy and would not help things at all not even a little uh, Beth gets out of the car and heads to the school and is quickly flagged down by Lou Monday in her red Ford Fiesta. <laughs> yes. And uh, Beth, like, has a brief flash of paranoia where she's like, should I be getting into this car with this strange lady yeah. with a weird name? Don't get into strangers' cars. Beth, you already got into a stranger's car. It's just that the stranger wasn't in it at the time. Yeah. Uh, and she also realizes that, like, she has no reason not to trust Lou Monday at this juncture. It's true. Or at least very minimal reason. <laughs> Uh, and we smash cut immediately to a little cafe called The Gallery. Where they can talk freely, apparently. Well, away from prying ears, yes. Yeah. Beth offers to buy the drinks or, or some food, maybe, in exchange for... Tea, if you will. Indeed, in, in exchange for agreeing to meet. And uh, does inquire, how did you get my cell number? Because I gave you my landline number. And Lou Monday admits she called the landline and there was no answer, but she was eager enough to talk to Beth about this that she looked her up online and found her massage business. Yep. And that had Name, her cell phone address, number. address, yeah. phone numbers. <laughs> so that's where she got the cell phone number. Yep. And Beth is like, okay, you know, that makes sense. Yeah. 
Lou also explains to Beth she couldn't discuss the caters at the school because she couldn't risk losing her job. Because uh, apparently she and her husband went through some litigation a year or two ago that left them in fairly dire financial straits and she can't risk losing her job at this time. And Beth is completely uninterested in that and kind of breezes past it. Right? And that stuck out to me. Like, is that going to come back? Is that a thing we should care about? Maybe. Is Lou Monday compromised somehow? Maybe. Mm, right? Mm. You can't I'm, I'm waggling my eyebrows. No one can see you do that. Eyebrow waggle. Our many viewers, our tens of viewers, can definitely see you my listeners? eyebrows <laughs> waggle. So Beth is kind of uninterested in the details of this litigation and asks Lou, like, what changed your mind? Why did you decide you want to talk to me? Is it because the police or social services came by and started asking questions? And then, like, as soon as she asks that, she's like, no, like, we were talking to Paul Pollard this morning. There's, even if he was going to act, which I doubt, there's no way he would act at this time. Not this, not this quickly. And Lou Monday asks Beth, are the police involved with this? Do not lie to me. This this struck me as amusing and kind of hypocritical was because the do not lie part. Well, no, because Beth is like her impulse is to be irritated at the suggestion she uh, the the insinuation she might lie to Lou Monday. That's when, the first thing she did to Lou when they met was yeah, lie to her. Yeah, and also she's been smugly pleased with herself about how many times she's lied to her husband in this novel. Right. So I mean, really, Beth, you're upset that someone might. Note that you're being a little dishonest at times. Yeah. Beth, however, does decide that the best thing to do is be straight with Lou Monday. So she takes a bracing sip of tea and tells the whole story from start to finish. And I think for the first time, she tells the whole story. No, she told... Without leaving anything out. She told the whole story to Paul Pollard, to the best of our knowledge. Oh, that's true. Yeah. The whole story to Paul Pollard. Um, I take it back. So the second time, she's unloaded the entire story. But outside of people who are just kind of there along for the ride, like Dom and Xana, are aware of all the details. Well, yeah. But she she hasn't told them the whole story all at once. No. Right? It's sort of unfolded with them in it. Yeah. Uh, Lou Monday is legit surprised she told all this to PC Paul Pollard. <laughs> uh, you just like saying Paul Pollard? I like saying Lou Monday and Paul Pollard because, again, they're both such unusual names. They deserve to be said <laughs> again and again. They are fun. Beth actually lays out an interesting personal belief here as well, where she says sometimes you have to do things no one else would do to get a result, which is interesting. She also relates an anecdote about how she got Dom his first job because she applied for it as him. Right. That jumped out at me because I was like, oh, that sounds like something Louis Braid would say. (laughs) That is. And now I know why you and Dom and... Flora and Lewis were all friends because you and Lewis are not so different, are you, Beth? Not You're really. both go-getters. Yeah. And go-getters for other people. I was honestly, I, I found that whole thing a little off-putting that she would do that. That she would go behind Dom's back and yeah. do that? The behind his back part is the part that bothers me. And not that, the, and like, yeah, encourage him to take the job, to help him out, do stuff, but don't do it behind his back. And that's one of the reasons it jumped out at me as something that Lewis Braid might have done, because the characterization we have of Lewis Braid is that he would also go behind someone's back to do something he thinks is in their best interest. Yeah. Because he knows best. Mm. Yes. And so does she. Beth might look back on Lewis and not like him, and I'm wondering now if that's maybe because that's she something... sees a little bit of herself in Lewis Braid. Yeah, maybe. Because this is the first time that there's been a one-to-one parallel between the two of them. Yeah, it's true. So that's why that kind of jumped out at me. 
Blue Monday asks for assurances at this juncture that none of what she says to Beth today gets linked back to her. And Beth is like, no, of course. Like, you can tell me whatever. I'm not going to tell anyone that you told me. So Lou kind of goes into her explanation, into her her clue dump. Jinkies! <laughs> yes, that's a good term for it. Because we are just showered with clues. Puzzle pieces come flying from the sky, but we still don't necessarily know where they all go. Uh, yeah. Lou starts by saying, no, Jeanette Cater has no foreign accent. And the photo that you're showing me right now is not of Jeanette. That's that is their nanny. That is their nanny, Yanina. She also happens to have a photo of Jeanette. Yeah. From some school event that she shot at some point. And yep. sure enough. It's Flora. It's Flora. Yep. It's definitely Flora Braid. This it is really the point. It really shouldn't surprise us at this point, right? No. It, it, and nor does it. Um, it does surprise Beth a little bit, uh, but in a weird roundabout kind of way, like it's finally starting to sink in that Flora is either fully lying to everyone around her about her name, or she really did change her name, and the impossible kids must be two different children who she gave the same names to, and that's still very weird, but it's... Like, it's starting to sink in that there's something very weird going on, but it's definitely not the same people. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Lou Monday mentions that Yanina and Mr. Cater are kind of the two primaries in this household, it seems. Like, she's always got the impression that the two of them are, like, a couple, but not in a romantic sense. It's like they're they're partners. They're thick as thieves. Right. And, and, and it's the rest of the family that's off? Yeah, like, I suppose is the right word for it. She kind of, the way she kind of phrases it is that Yanina and Mr. Cater are kind of always the adults in the room. And Jeanette Cater is kind of relegated to the same category as Thomas and Emily, just another child. Like she's an yeah. older sister. The kids to be looked after. Yeah. And she's very clingy and protective of the kids, apparently. And I'm not talking about Yanina. I'm talking about Jeanette. Yeah. Slash Flora. Yeah. Beth feels this is off because it's not in keeping with the characterization she has for Flora, who is pretty relaxed around the OG Thomas and Emily in a way that even Beth herself wasn't with Xana and Ben. Like, Flora was just like, yeah, yeah, they'll do whatever. But it's this fine. is this is an accurate description of the Flora that everybody else seems to know. Yeah, the Flora of the last few years. Yeah, it's the Flora we got from the neighbors, especially from Tilly. Yep. Right? The Flora that we, the changed Flora we heard about from right, her parents. Right, the changed Flora from her parents. That that flora, the current modern UK flora. I don't know how to, I don't know how to designate which flora we're talking about. Yeah, but definitely not the same flora she's necessarily been talking to from Florida, mm. who still seems to be kind of the old flora, albeit she feels like it's a little stilted. Yeah, like it's put on a little bit. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they're actually in Florida. Who knows? Can you fake that? Yeah, you can fake that. It's hard to fake that, but you can fake that. Yeah. Well, he called her from a Florida number. Right. You can when, get, you when can Lou get, is called, you can get call forwarding. Yeah. Well, and even even that, he might frequently be in Florida and have a Florida number, mm -hmm. and his cell phone, if ringing, if he's in the UK mm -hmm. and calling her from his cell phone, it would still come up with his number that's Florida based. Yep. Even if he's somewhere else. Yep. Well, and Flora's and, number was blocked, so we don't know where it came from. Yeah. And further to that, we know from Tilly that Lewis Braid can be accounted for in the UK at a time when he should have moved to Florida. That's true. Because that was when he was stalking her. Yeah. They could, anyway. They could still be in the UK. Maybe. And faking the Florida. Uh, Lou Monday confirms she has no idea who Chimpy might be when Beth asks about that name. She also asks Lou Monday about Peterborough, but 
Lou can't think of a connection between that place and the caters. I guess just, no, nothing. Um, she also doesn't remember Jeanette ever talking about how lucky she is, because that was a thing that had jumped out at Beth. Mm-hmm. So nothing there. But she does confirm, yeah, the family looks like they're rich. Like they're a wealthy family. Yeah. Not just because they're in our fancy private school, but... <laughs> despite the shoes. Despite the shoes. Beth at this juncture, having kind of gone through her checklist of all the little mysteries that she's trying to clear up, then kind of turns things around and goes, all right, Lou Monday, can you clarify to me why you think something is up with the family? Like, what, yeah. what is it that you think you know? And Lou Monday explains that Flora slash Jeanette is painfully shy and closed off with everyone who's not one of the kids. If someone asks her a question, she just hands it off to either Kevin Cater or Yanina. She also says Thomas is kind of the same. Like, he's super solitary at school. He's not, like, unhappy. He seems perfectly content behind his, like, force field. Yeah. But he's... He's not very social. No, but he's closed off. Yeah. He doesn't like to be talked to. He likes to be left to his own devices. He has this odd quirk, apparently, where he presses himself up against walls, but... Yeah. I don't know what that means. The general consensus at the school appears to be Thomas is eccentric and shy and needs some special attention, but he's polite, he's smart, he's bright, he's not usually unhappy. She thinks, though, that people are just calling him shy because it's an easy label to put on it. And she's like, I don't think it's the right word for him. I don't know what the right word is. (laughs) But that's not the right one. But that's not the... He's not just shy. There's something off about him. And I can't put my finger on exactly what it is. And it's more than just Thomas. She sees the whole family as a unit because she interacts with, as the school receptionist, she interacts with Mr. Cater. She interacts with Yanina. She interacts with Jeanette. She's seen Emily on the rare occasions when Jeanette has come to pick up Thomas with Emily. And she can see that there's something off about the whole family. Like there's something weird going on. And it's not just... An awkward family situation. She's like, it's not just that Mr. Cater's like sleeping with the nanny and Mrs. Cater knows. Yeah. And, well, then and they're all putting on a brave face because she it's... She doesn't think that's what it is. Yeah, no, but that's what she's saying. Like, it's it's not something as simple as that. Yeah, no. That would be a simple explanation is that... The... And probably one she's seen before. Yeah, but that's not the case. There's something more going on here. Lou mentions Thomas is a bit young for his year. And like that was initially one of the things that she maybe thought might be it. Um, Just because of where his birthday falls for school intake? And Beth actually racks her brain here and tries to remember OG Thomas's birthday and she comes up with February. And she is like, well, that would make him average for his age group. So that's pretty much confirmation that Impossible Thomas is not OG Thomas. Okay. Because they have different birthdays. Probably. Lumade also confirms Flora Jeanette doesn't seem to have any friends that she can tell. Like, she's not friendly with any of the other parents. That doesn't surprise me either. That fits very much into the new Flora yep. dynamic. Uh, that Tilly confirmed as well. Flora was a ghost when yep. they lived in, at Whittier Lane. Absolutely. She mentions Flora gives off that aura of self-containment that, as she puts it, dads at the school tend to have. Yeah, when they come I to don't want to talk to anyone. Yeah. Um, she also lets drop, Mrs. Cater has apparently not picked up the kids herself in quite some time. It's been a while since she's been around the school. Beth asks after Kevin Cater, and Lou Monday admits she doesn't actually know too much about him, despite the fact that he's the kind of guy who can talk for hours at a time. (laughs) But she, like, she doesn't know what he does for a living. She doesn't know really anything about him. All she knows is that he appears to have a bunch of time on his hands because when he decides to stick his nose in someone's business, everyone hears about it because he's a big old jerk. 
Oh, fantastic. Yanina also is a little bit of an odd duck. She's very superficial, apparently, and that's kind of like off-putting as well. You even get that impression from Beth's description of her earlier. Yeah. With what she's wearing and how she's interacting with people. And to hear Lou Monday talk about it later, you go, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I see it. Yeah. Beth is trying to process all of this information, all these clues that we, the reader, and Beth are all getting inundated with. And she kind of rattles it around in her brain a bit. And she's like, can't make sense of what's going on. Because if Flora ended things with Lewis, why would she have been in Florida the night before to call her with Lewis? If she's not married to Kevin, why is she pretending to be married to Kevin? Why is she living at Whittier Lane? She can't resolve the equation yet and it's me neither and it's very frustrating for her yes (laughs) as the conversation winds down lou monday mentions to beth like you told me this whole story like you you laid out everything that you've seen since this whole thing started and the context of it to you and it if i'm perfectly honest is an insane and creepy story well because yeah and it does not surprise me in the least because of what I've already picked up from what's going on in that family. Like when you told me there's something weird and creepy going on, I was like, no, yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the part that sits with you. Yeah. As you, as you reach the end of the chapter that someone else that, that Beth has found like a really honest to God ally here who sincerely believes that there's something weird going on. Yeah. She says straight up, like I was actually relieved to hear that my suspicions about the caters were right and something was up because like things make more sense now as crazy as your story is it makes sense yeah of what's going on even if no one knows what's going on yeah and lou monday closes out the chapter saying she's kind of pretty sure at this juncture of two things and the first thing is the behavior she saw was weird and the cause for it therefore must be even weirder and number two Whatever that cause is must be something so strange that it is beyond her imagination. And that is what finishes off chapter 14. Yes. And Lou is right, I think. I feel like we should be able to figure something out now. That this chapter was supposed to mean something. But I'm no further along than I was before in Mm. trying to understand what's happening. It's just just extra nonsense. (laughs) The thing that jumped out at me right at the end with Lou's final comment about how the cause must be something even weirder than I can imagine. It makes me wonder if the if the author, if Sophie Hanna, speaking through Lou Monday, is planting the seed for the plot to turn, mm-hmm. like take a hard left turn. Warning, here. twist, approaching. Yeah, and that maybe some of our earlier weirder conspiracy theories are going to start to play out right now. Oh, no. Away. Maybe we were, we were irresponsible with some of those. Maybe maybe we need to brush the dust off the chicken board and take another <laughs> look. Uh because maybe there maybe they are clones. Maybe there are aliens. I I am sticking with my clone theory and I think it revolves around Lewis. Okay, well let's uh let's dust off the chicken board. <laughs> I've stumbled onto a major company conspiracy pack. How about that for stress? What the hell are you talking about? This company is being bled like a stuck pig, Mac, and I got a paper trail to prove it. Check this out. Take a look at this. I mean, it's not even dusty. We've been going to it week after week for it's the last true. little while. Got my red string out. I've got some pictures. Let's <laughs> let's go. try to put this together. Here we go. Post-it notes and a yep. Sharpie pen. Here we go. Follow along, dear listener. Here we go. <laughs> so they lose Georgina. Mm-hmm. And Lewis is the one who can't hack it. 
Okay. Flora and the kids move to Florida. Lewis, back in the UK, creates clones of his family to start anew. Right? Because we knew that Flora broke. Yep. Right? She's very sad. So she packs up her two kids and leaves the UK to start afresh in Florida. Okay. Uh, Lewis wants his perfect family back, so he creates clones of his wife and children. But there's something wrong with the clones. They're not right. And he can't handle that either, which is where Tilly comes in. Right? He tries, he tries to escape because his clones aren't right and he's very unhappy in his family life. And then he realizes that it's all gone horribly wrong. He goes to Florida in the first place <laughs> to find his original family and settles in and carries on there. Now the problem is we have these defective clones, which he gives to his former co-worker, Kevin Cater, to deal with. It's a terrible theory, I know. Yeah, but it's the best I've got. It's uh, how I'm stringing it together. There are so many holes. Oh, so many holes. In this theory that I, I would call it more of a basket than so a bucket. many holes. Like like a colander, really. Oh, goodness, yes. Uh, it's, it's not holding enough water at all. I have stated many times over how wildly irresponsible and terrible this theory is. <laughs> well, yeah, because we know that Lewis has been in Florida for some time. It was not just public, but he's got photographic evidence of him being in Florida and he also set up a business in Florida. There's I don't I don't know why he would fob off a bunch of defective clones on on a friend. I don't even know why Kevin Cater would be like, "Yeah, I'll take the defective clones off your hands." Sure. I've always wanted a wife and kids that don't work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'll I'll hire well, you no. I'll hire a Ukrainian lady to help me keep <laughs> them in line. That that's it's perfect. This per I love my life. This is great. Uh yeah, no, that's it's not quite adding up for me. Oh no, me neither, but it's the best I've got. Yeah. I don't know. We'll uh we'll have to wait and see. I'm not going to try to suggest any other crazy <laughs> theories because that one I mean, I think that one just needs to sit. That one needs to breathe for a little while. Uh <laughs> Uh but maybe we'll get a little bit more information and perhaps we'll plug up some of the holes in Nita's theory next chapter as we go into chapter 15 of our novel. Uh you'll want to read up on that in time for next week. In the meantime, you know, uh We've been positing about some very crazy possible genetics that Lewis Braid has been involved <laughs> in. And we know that he was involved in certainly a high-tech company. And if you're interested in learning more about high-tech stuff, I mean, there's another podcast right here on the Alberta Podcast Network that's all about just general tech and geek news that uh, might be right up your alley. This episode is brought to you by the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATV. And guess what? So are we. And who are we? Well, I'm Josh. And I'm Alan. And we're pressed to join. We have a weekly podcast bringing you current events from everything from gaming to comics to technology, security, all that fun stuff. And every episode we bring you a recommendation for something we think you might like. And uh, we've got a special Bad Descriptions game that we're playing every week now that Josh hosts. Yeah, new for 2019. I've written a whole bunch of bad descriptions of things that seemingly makes no sense, but once you know what it's to, it's painfully obvious. And then at the end of every month, we do a deep dive into the history of a gaming company, franchise, or just even technology. We've done arcade cabinets one time. Popular things like Mario, and then things you don't know about, like Earth Defense Force. You can check us out at psjshow.com, albertapodcastnetwork.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. So as always, thank you all very much for listening. And thanks for pressing start. So, friends of our podcast, press start to join. Yeah. 
two two good dudes doing good news. That is that is the new tagline. <laughs> to press start to join. That is You can yes. take that guys. You can take it for free. Yeah, that one's I for you. I give it to you. Uh, you can check out Press Start to Join, and, of course, you can check out all the other podcasts on the Alberta Podcast Network at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Uh, there's going to be something there worth checking Absolutely. out. Absolutely. Uh, you can download all of our affiliated podcasts, including our own on your podcatcher of choice. And while you're there, I mean, we would appreciate a rating and a review. That helps us out. Yeah, it'd be nice. We have literally no incentive for you to do it other than our undying and eternal gratitude. <laughs> Un. Die. At least at this juncture, we'll we'll see when the <laughs> when the global pandemic is done. I mean, Dying we got eternal for now. Well, here's the thing: we we got some swag actually. Uh, at the it's beginning true. of the year, we obtained buttons, read along buttons, and we were thinking about like maybe finding a way to get them out to some of you, our listeners. And then a global pandemic happened. It's true. So we're sitting on these buttons that could just get everyone sick, and we don't want to send them out at this time. But uh, maybe... I don't know. They're sealed up in a plastic bag. They're kind of in their own quarantine. Fair enough. But, I mean, if we send them in the mail, that's that's potentially bad. And we would have to take them out of the bag to put them in an envelope. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Okay, so maybe when the global pandemic is has ebbed... We'll disinfect our pins. And we, we <laughs> might be able to get a little incentive for people who are leaving us reviews. We'll, we'll take a look yeah. at that. Or if you just want one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Outside of leaving us a review, you can also just get a hold of us directly. It's true. We have your standard selection of social media. We have Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. Yeah, you can check us out at The Read Along at pretty much all the above. It's true. If that's not enough characters for you, we have an email address. We are thereadalong at gmail.com. Scott promises to check it still. And uh, with that said, as always, we'll see you next time. This chicken board is a mess. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. <laughs>